Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 1 to 7. This is God's word. Walk prudently when you go to the house of God, and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they do evil. Do not be rash with your mouth, and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven, and you on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes through much activity, and a fool's voice is known by his many words. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin, nor say before the messenger of God that it was an error. Why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands? For in the multitude of dreams and many words, there is also vanity. But fear God. Amen. So far the reading of God's word and we thank him that he blesses us when we read his truth. Let's come before God in prayer and ask for his help to understand it. Let's pray. Oh God, you are holy, 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 high and lifted up, seated on the throne in the heavenly places. And here are we on earth. And yet you have chosen out of your good grace and your perfect will You have chosen to speak to us. You've brought us here to this place today to hear from this very portion of your word. And so we thank you that in your goodness and your kindness you have foreordained whatsoever comes to pass. And so you have made a point of us being the people who are here today to listen to your word and to listen to this sermon from your word. But God, we are also very aware of our human weakness and frailty. And so we pray today for your help. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We know that what we're doing is is not the same as listening to a lecture. This is a spiritual activity, and so we need the Holy Spirit of God. We pray that you would engage us Engage our hearts and our minds so that we may leave this place with a deeper love and affection for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Whenever I was uh, growing up in Dromore, I was in the Scouts. And Uh, Very often, uh, as a scout group, we would go into the morns on a Friday night. We would do a bit of walking. We would set up a camp. We would sleep over in our tents and then cook our breakfast in the morning and head out to be out of the the mountains for Saturday afternoon. On those Friday nights, we were often walking in the dark. And when you're walking across ground that looks the same and it's dark, so you can't even see where you're going... You need to be very careful. You need to be careful to plan your way forward. It's the same if you're walking in fog or mist. 
And so we had to learn how to use a map and a compass. We had to become accustomed to navigate in the dark. And so you have your map and you have your compass and you know where you're going from and you know where you want to get to. And so you take a bearing on the map, you adjust for magnetic north and off you start walking along the bearing, holding your compass in front of you. But the thing is, it's a straight line on the map. But as you're walking across the ground, the ground is uneven. There are mounds of peat to go round. There are puddles and uh, bits of bog that you need to walk round. And so before long, you think you're walking on a straight line, but you've veered off the track that you're supposed to be following. And for that reason, it's really important, it's wise in fact, that every few minutes you stop, you look at the map, you look at the compass, and you make sure you're still on the right path and you're still headed for your target. It can become very easy to get disorientated and wander off track. You need to keep reminding yourself to reorientate and to keep on track. Well, today's passage in Ecclesiastes is a bit like a reorientation. The preacher has spent four chapters telling us about the world we live in. And he's made it very clear, everything under the sun is meaningless. Work, money, building, education, laughter, entertainment, all of these things follow this pattern of the rising and setting sun. They follow the pattern of the tide flowing out and flowing in. There is this repetitive nature to life in this world, and it means that everything is vanity. It's chasing after the wind. But occasionally, just a few times in the passages we've looked at, the clouds have parted, and the preacher has looked up, and he's been able to show us that in God there is meaning. And not only that, But through that gap in the clouds, God brings meaning to life in this world. The things we spend our time doing are not meaningless, so long as we realise that they won't last forever. Remember we said life in this world is like a holiday at the seaside? It it won't last forever. The the sandcastle will be washed away tomorrow, but that shouldn't stop us from enjoying it in the moment. But those glimpses, those, those cracks in the clouds have been fairly sparse. Looking to God and life above the sun, well, it hasn't happened very often. The preacher has offered us great wisdom, but at many times it's felt a bit like we're trying to find our way in the dark. We know where we're going, and we know where we're starting, but it can become easy to wander off the track. And so today's passage, Ecclesiastes 5, verses 1 to 7, is like a reorientation. The preacher is going to point us beyond this world. Again, he's going to look above the sun and he's going to say there is hope. In fact, he's going to say there is hope. Look to God. Look to God and you will be able to make sense of this world. But even more than looking, 
the Bible wants to encourage us today to listen. And so we, we do approach this passage with all the baggage, with all the difficulty of the first four chapters. But we come to a God who will unburden us today. The preacher has shown us everything that he can think of in the world around. And he's painted a pretty depressing picture. But today, his focus is not on the world. His focus is on worship. His focus is on the worship of the one true and living God. And so the preacher reorientates us, not by looking to the world, but by bringing us to church. He brings us here, to this place where we come each week, and he tells us it's here, in this place with these people, as God's word is read and as it is preached, this is where the world finally makes sense. It would be helpful to have your Bible open at Ecclesiastes 5. I think we are told three things here about our worship of God. First of all, we're told to be careful as we approach worship. Secondly, we learn that we must be careful in worship. And then thirdly, we pick up that worship is costly. So let's think about being careful as we approach worship. I wonder what went on in your house this morning before you came to church. Was it manic? Was it a rush to get everybody ready and dressed in time? That's often how it is in our house. Uh, I don't know how many times we have to say, have you brushed your teeth? But clearly it's something we have to say a number of times uh, before the teeth get brushed. Maybe, you know, I know many of you are, are farming and there's things you have to do. There's things you have to take care of before you come out to worship. Animals need fed. Cows need milk. There's always a, a job or another that needs done around the yard. I get that. But the preacher of Ecclesiastes wants us to be careful as we approach worship. Look at verse 1. Walk prudently when you go to the house of God. So let me ask you this. Did you even think about it? Or did you just arrive here? Because that's what you do every Sunday. And, and maybe you just, you know, I wonder what Jamie's got for us this week. Did you notice that on the announcement sheet last week, I gave you the uh, passage that we're looking at this week? Have you read it in preparation for worship today? Did you come to church wondering what it means? The sense of those words, walk prudently in the Hebrew is to think about the direction that your feet are pointing. The preacher says, look at your feet. Are you walk, walking towards God? Or are you here in body, but actually you're somewhere else in your mind? Is coming to church something that you do simply because that's what you've always done? Or have you walked prudently? Have you thought carefully? about what it is you've come here to do? Did you actually consider that you are here today to hear from the triune God of the universe? God is going to speak to me today. Is that how we got out of bed? 
I'm sure many of you are like me. We can become so used to going through the motions of worship. We come, we sit, we bow our heads, we sing the songs, we allow our minds to wander during the sermon. We hear the benediction and then it's all over for another week. But friends, that's not what worship is about. The holy, holy, holy God has invited you today into his presence and he wants to speak to you. When his word is read and when his word is preached, God is speaking. We should not take that lightly or treat it casually. Be careful. Maybe you need this corrective today. Maybe you need a, a reorientation to make sure your, your feet are, are pointed in the right direction. I think it's wonderful that in his goodness, God has designed our world with one Sunday every week. So that we have this every week. We don't have to go for longer than six days without being reorientated, invited into God's presence to hear directly from him. Back during those days as a scout, I worked hard to achieve my Queen Scout Award. And that's basically uh, the equivalent of the Duke of Edinburgh Gold Award. And having received that award, there was an invitation to go to Windsor and to meet Her Majesty the Queen. You can imagine the excitement, the anticipation that my friends and I had that day. To even meet with the Queen was an incredibly special moment. I have to say, I, I didn't actually get to shake her hand. I was in the line that was at the back. I managed to get to meet the Duke of Edinburgh that day. But as I say, you can imagine the preparation that went in to meeting the Queen. The effort we went to to make sure that we were ready. I'm sure any one of us would have been the same. Maybe you have been invited to a garden party or something like that. Buckingham Palace. Well, isn't it true that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords invites us here to this place every week? He invites us to lift our eyes away from the things of this world. Away from the things that are are weighing you down. Away from the burdens of this world. And he says, listen to what I have to say. That same God that Isaiah saw. Holy, holy, holy. High and lifted up. Well, he doesn't change. And so he has not changed. And he invites us into his presence to worship him and to hear from him. And so the preacher simply says to us today in Ecclesiastes, be careful. Don't do it casually. Look at verse 2, towards the end of the verse. The end of verse 2. These words come to my mind as I'm praying very often. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Remember your place before God. Therefore, let your words be few. As we come to worship week after week, let's be careful to remember who it is we are gathering to worship. We are here to worship the I am, the the God who is in and of himself life. He is all existence. He is the most glorious. 
our God who is infinite, eternal and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness and truth. He is the God who has made us in his image and given us this chief end of glorifying him and enjoying him forever. And remember this. God does not need us. He doesn't need us to be doing what we're doing today. God is all glorious. He does not need us to glorify him. We cannot add to his glory any more than we can make the ocean more wet. He doesn't invite you to worship him today because he needs it. He invites us because we need it. Without this, the world is meaningless. It's vanity. It's chasing after the wind. But God calls us to worship him in order that we can have the world made sense to us. So that we can have hope and satisfaction and joy. So that life with with all its complexity and wonder can be explained to us. So we have to be careful that we approach worship with our feet pointing towards God. But equally to that, we have to be careful in worship. Look again at that little proverb in verse 2. God is in heaven and you are on earth, therefore let your words be few. We are here for our benefit. But that does not mean that we get to dictate the terms. That day in Windsor, we were put into two lines. And the front line got to meet the Queen and the back line got to meet the Duke of Edinburgh. I would have loved to have been in the front line, but I wasn't. And at no point did I think, I'm going to shout and fight my way into the front line. I wasn't there to dictate the terms. And so when we come to worship, it is God who sets the terms. He invites us. He speaks to us for our blessing. And we do the things that he has commanded us to do because that's what's best for us. Even if we don't realise it. This whole passage could be summed up in the words of my granny. And I'm sure many other grannies like her. My granny said, you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Listen twice as much as you speak. Worshipping God is a privilege. It's not a right. And so we approach worship carefully and we are careful in what we do in worship. And one of the things God's word tells us here in Ecclesiastes is that God, the one who made the world and everything in it, he is the one who gets to speak when we come to worship him. We need to listen. We need to pay attention. God is speaking. So be careful to listen to what he's saying. It is my intention, folks, that we will look at this during one of our midweeks and how to be a Christian at some point, thinking about how to listen to a sermon. How can we do that well? I also know that the next Presbytery Academy in April will focus on exactly that. So maybe you've never been before. That's okay. You can still come along and and hear uh, from one of the professors in the college about how we can listen well to sermons. But today I just want to simply challenge you to you try. 
Do you make a conscious effort to pay attention to what God is saying? I print these out every week. I leave them on the porch. And on the back there it says sermon notes. Have you ever thought about taking notes? That might help. I know whenever I listen to a sermon, it helps me just to write it down. I hardly ever look back on them, but it helps me to focus in the moment. Verse 1. Walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear. We're here to listen. Now, there are times when we use our words in worship. We sing, we pray. Both of those are us speaking to God. But even then, the preacher in Ecclesiastes is saying, be careful. The first part of verse 2, then verses 4 and 5. The preacher is warning us to be careful when we make vows in worship. Of course, we do make specific vows, maybe at a baptism or an ordination or in a wedding ceremony. But many of the vows we make in worship are done through singing. Whenever we sing psalms and songs. And so when we sing the hymns we do, do you mean the words? Or are you just going through the motions? One commentator, Derek Kidner, says this about Ecclesiastes 5. He says, the writer's target is the well-meaning person who likes a good sing and turns up cheerfully enough to church, but who listens with half an ear and never quite gets round to what he has volunteered to do for God. I find that really troubling in my own heart because it doesn't describe someone who we would be able to point at and say, there goes a sinner. And we shouldn't be pointing at people in that way, but you understand what I'm saying. It's not obvious that this person is sinning, but by not being careful in worship, they're disregarding God and his word. And so Kidner's comment, I suppose, brings me to my final point. Worship is costly. Because here we are, and maybe you've actually been listening to this sermon, I hope you have. And maybe you're thinking, you know, I've not been as careful as I should have in the past. I'm not really careful in the words that I sing or whenever I say amen at the end of a prayer, I haven't really been listening to it. And maybe you've decided to yourself, you know what, next week I'm going to do better. Next Sunday will be different. Be careful about that. Look at verse 4. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to repay it, to pay it, sorry. Verse 7. For in the multitude of dreams and many words, there is also vanity. And so, can you hear what the preacher is saying? He's saying it's so hard to keep these promises that we make. It's incredibly difficult to keep the promises we make to God. We leave this place with wonderful intentions of of how we're going to be better and do better. And it's not just today. Uh, Last week, I gave you very concrete application. I wonder how you got on with that. To show somebody in the congregation how much you love them. Did you remember to do it? We vow to do these things. We resolve to do them. We sit here thinking, I will do it this time. But that thought is gone from our minds by the time we turn the key in the ignition. And so worship is costly. But it's not costly to us. Worship is costly. Because we worship in and through the name of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus never vowed to do something that he wouldn't carry out. And he is the one who has paid and who has covered over our sins of not being careful. We come in worship today as weak, as sinful, frail human beings. And we can only worship the one true and living God because he has shown us grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. We fail to keep our vows. We are less than careful as we approach worship and in the worship service. And yet, every Sunday, God keeps inviting us. He keeps saying, come back. Because of Jesus, we are welcome every Sunday. We are welcome before the throne of God in the person of Jesus anytime. In order to get to Windsor, to meet the Duke of Edinburgh, I had to pay a great price. And I'm not talking about the, the plane tickets and the hotel rooms. I had to work hard. The Duke of Edinburgh's award or the Queen's Scout Award is hard work. There's an expedition. It requires training and planning and perseverance. There are elements of service and skill. Those take time and effort. I worked hard so that I could be invited to Windsor. Friends, the glorious news of the gospel is that in order for us to worship God, in order for us to be invited to God, Jesus has done it all. It costs us nothing. It costs Jesus his life. He is the one who carries our burdens, our griefs, our cares, our worries. He is the one who works in us, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. The preacher of Ecclesiastes says, be careful as you approach worship. And be careful in worship, but ultimately, I want you to know today that you can worship. And you can do it freely, and you can live for God in the strength of Jesus. Because he paid the cost of his life for your sin and for your failure. He paid his life so that you could be here today so that you might glorify God. And so please do be careful. Be careful as you approach worship. Be careful during the service itself, but be careful knowing that for every time you feel, Christ has already died. And he is working in you by the power of his Holy Spirit to make you more like him. Let me pray for us.